0: Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care.
1: But a hallmark of the program from very early on in the 90s was the embrace of our intergenerational programming. And what has made that possible is that at our JOY campus, which by the way stands for Joining Older and Younger, we have both an adult daycare program, which provides extended day programming for adults that have Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and related dementias. And we also have a functioning child care center for about 170 children ages 6 weeks to 6 years.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Ava Getz and Jenna Haas, two leaders of One Generation, a community-based organization serving thousands of seniors in the greater Los Angeles area, in particular, the San Fernando Valley area. In today's episode, we learn how one generation is a little bit different than most traditional community-based organizations and that it not just serves seniors and the needy, but also children through its intergenerational program and preschool. Ava and Jenna talk about the challenges of running a community-based organization during the COVID-19 pandemic, including how the need for their services has increased while the funds coming in to provide the services have decreased. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting pophealthpodcast.com or checking us out on iTunes. Thanks everybody. Enjoy the show. So Jenna and Ava, can you share something about yourselves that may surprise the audience? Maybe something outside of the workplace, like a fun fact or hobby, and let's go ahead and start with you, Jenna.
2: Oh, alrighty. Well, um, one fact about me, I used to be a volunteer for Guide Dogs of America. I would um, train the guide dog puppies and um, bring them home with us, try to expose them to different environments, and um, uh, send them back onto guide dogs to be um, with somebody who has visual impairment. For many years, I did that.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So did you actually uh, help raise these puppies in your home as well, or were you going out and then meeting the dogs? at another location?
2: No, we, we had the pup, my husband and I, um, we had the puppies and uh, they were given to us about eight weeks old. And then it was our job as a volunteer to have them um, live with us. And then we would take them to work with us. We would take them to the market. Just basically anything that you would do in your normal day, you would take these puppies with, with you and expose them to all kinds of noises and sounds and smells and, and get them started on that process of being a guide dog.
0: That's awesome. How was the emotional scenario when you had to give up these puppies for their, you know, going into the real world? Yeah,
2: it's, it's hard. Um, you know, our first, uh, puppy that we, we gave back and it, um, he graduated, um, it was really hard, uh, you know, but we have the understanding going into it that this is for a better cause we are we're being, um, we're playing a role in uh, in somebody else's life that we may not know that really would depend on this um, this seeing-eye dog, so yeah. That's really cool. How
0: about you, Ava?
2: Well, I don't have anything as wonderful uh, as
1: that. Um, I have one sort of remaining hobby in my life, if you will. Unfortunately, I have little time for that these days, um, but I do draw and paint. And uh, I hope that when my work life becomes less intrusive on my 24 hour day that I'll have a chance to uh, sort of uh, recapture that time for myself and take some more uh, painting classes, which I very much enjoy.
0: That's great. And what, uh, is there like a specific style of painting or, or anything more specific about your painting that
1: well, Yeah, so thank you, a good question, because obviously many artists uh, either uh, specialize in portraits or abstract art, Uh, I do more of the uh, watercolour and uh, oil to some extent, but uh, pencil and ink and watercolour are my preferences. I don't do portraits, so uh, I do more abstract representation.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, Ava. So before we get into learning more about One Generation, why don't we start back with you, Jenna? And can you talk maybe briefly about how you basically went from child all the way through uh, to becoming a young woman working with older adults? Tell us about that journey.
2: Um, Okay, so I actually come from a family of um, nurses. So we, uh, my, my mother, my aunts, uh, grandparents, they've been nurses uh, in, in my family. This is what I know. This is what I've seen um, working in the field of helping others. I always knew from an early age that I wanted to play a role in the services field, but I wasn't exactly sure if I wanted to be a nurse. Um, after high school, I went to a junior college, and just because I still wasn't sure what it as I wanted to do. I took a bunch of classes. I decided at that time nursing wasn't necessarily for me. Um, I took a sociology class, and um, I found that that class was very interesting to me. So I remember asking my professor at the time, "Well, what can you do with a sociology degree?" Um, and you know, she she said, "Well, you can get into to social work." And I said, "Okay, well, I have no idea what that is. I know that." I, don't think I want to work with children. So she recommended that I go out and volunteer. So that's really when I started my volunteering career going to different places. Um, I actually spent a little bit of time at our local senior center in Santa Clarita, which is where I'm from. And that is where I instantly became um, Attracted to this older adult population and just found a, an instant connection with this is where I meant to be This is the population that I want to be able to serve. So from then on, um, you know, I continued volunteering in different aging fields, whether it's in a hospital or at a senior center. And I continued on um, my my schooling career in social work and got my undergrad in social work. And you know, believe it or not, I was an intern here at One Generation uh, back in 2007. And when I got my bachelor bachelor's, I was hired here as a case manager worked here for several years in case management and nutrition, got a lot of experience of the aging field here, and then went back to grad school to get my master's in social work with an emphasis in gerontology um, and continued on working in the aging field in a variety of different settings, uh, medical setting and hospitals, home health, uh, hospice settings, and now community-based organizations.
0: Yeah, I remember meeting you, I think, uh, we're recording in 2020. I remember meeting you in 2011 with my colleague, uh, Joe Zimmer, who's also co-hosted a couple episodes. And I remember like, you were going to get your master's at that time. There's something happening in 2011. I knew you were uh, progressing in your career at that point. So here we are yeah. nine years later, and you're a leader at uh, OneGen. That's pretty cool, Jenna.
2: Yeah, I was very fortunate to be able to come back after I had my daughter um, as director of the Senior Enrichment Center and Case Management Program. And I've been here now in that position for about five years, and I've just been really fortunate to work for such a, a wonderful organization that does so much for not only the aging community, but just the the overall community in the Los Angeles area in general. So I'm very lucky to be a part of that.
0: Awesome, Jenna. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your background. And how about you, Ava? How about your uh, upbringing, and how, how in the world did you end up at One Generation? Walk us through that.
1: Certainly, but I also want to state that one of the best hires I have ever made in my entire life has been Jenna. I had the opportunity to bring her here when I started this position back in uh, 2014. Uh, She Mm -hmm. came on board then in 2015. Um, so how I came to One Generation is actually in 2014, when uh, there were colleagues that I had known um, through other connections uh, in the community and who approached me about perhaps considering this uh, awesome leadership position. I was a little taken back at the confidence that they had uh, obviously uh, shared uh, in offering this. But um, I did think about it and I I did accept the position. Uh, And Kenneth Kang, who is our CFO CEO, he and I had worked together previously and we both agreed that together we would be able to bring some uh, needed resources uh, at one generation that uh, had been a little bit uh, challenged Um, by not only the uh, 2008 recession going forward. Um, So we both made the commitment to take this position on sort of at the same time. My own background, um, I've always been uh, sort of embracing being with older adults in that I was raised by my grandparents. I was raised in a multi-generational household. Uh, Subsequently, both my stepfather and my mother are both immigrants to this country. I am an immigrant. I came to the United States from Germany when I was 10, lived in a very multi-generational household. Uh, My stepfather came from China with his mother. My mother and I came from Germany and uh, East met West, and that's the American
0: story. Wow. That is that is neat, Ava. I didn't know uh, I knew some of that, but not all of that. Very cool. So uh, prior to uh, One Generation, when you came over to One Gen in 2014, have you worked in not-for-profit uh, previously? Or tell us about that.
1: Yes, actually, I've worked in not-for-profits probably my entire career. I started off as a volunteer many many years ago with the Boy Scouts of America and I subsequently worked as a consultant for about three years for a wonderful uh, man who had a small consulting firm and had the opportunity to really learn a great deal about the nonprofit sector, about board development, about staff development. That was a wonderful opportunity. After that, I worked for a short period of time for um, the uh, Planned Parenthood. I worked for Phoenix House. And of course I did work for Partners in Care for a number of years. During that time, I had a uh, transition of about five to six years when I worked for the Building Industry Association for their Governmental Affairs Council. It was a little bit different, Uh, took me away from uh, the uh, embrace that I very much enjoyed and that was working with older adults. So it was nice to have the opportunity to come back to something that was more meaningful to me.
0: That's great. So let's, uh, thanks for the background there, Ava. Let's go ahead and get into some of the details about what, excuse me, what One Generation is. And maybe, um, Ava, can you give us a little bit of background as to uh, who or what One Generation is?
1: Certainly. So One Generation was really established in 1978, sort of as a storefront social service senior program. It was established with the assistance of Valley Beth Shulong at that time. Then over the years with the direction of the board, uh, which of course has changed over the years, um, they developed other programs specifically to expand the social service aspect. So the One Generation Senior Enrichment Center was developed and that's the facility that's on Victory and Etiwanda. And then subsequently in the early 90s, this property, and I mean by this property, what we call the Joy property, which is a campus that is located also on Victory Boulevard. And it has the adult daycare program and childcare program that subsequently then evolved out of the greater social service embrace that the foundation uh, that the board wanted to pursue. So over the years, um, it has evolved to uh, address a number of issues, but a hallmark of the program from very early on in the 90s was the embrace of our intergenerational programming. And what has made that possible is that at our JOY campus, which by the way stands for Joining Older and Younger we have both an adult daycare program which provides extended day programming for adults that have alzheimer's parkinson's and related dementias and we also have a functioning child care center for about 170 children ages six weeks to six years so during the day we provide opportunities for the older adults and the children to engage in a number of activities, because we really encourage the development of these intergenerational connections that are both helpful for the older adults as they are progressing with their dementias, but a wonderful building block for the children that are having the opportunity to meet and engage with an older adult on a daily basis.
0: Thanks, Ava. And then uh, maybe Jenna, can you maybe break down in a little more detail some of the other programs and services that are currently available today at OneGen?
2: Yeah. So uh, also, you know, we have a variety of different uh, services at our other location, our Senior Enrichment Center. um, This is a program that is intended for active uh, older adults and their family caregivers. Uh, Maybe these are caregivers whose loved The one is attending the adult daycare. So this uh, this campus is provides these individuals with opportunities for them to stay connected, engaged and maintain their independence in the community through a variety of different programs. Uh, We currently have right now about 3600 members enrolled in our senior enrichment center Uh, we offer. um, I know some people like to refer to our center as the as a hub, a one stop shop for older adults. Um, another fun fact about um, not myself, but about One Generation is that the Senior Enrichment Center is the only nationally accredited senior center through the National Council on Aging and the National Institute of Senior Centers in the entire state of California. So, you know, obviously we um, would like to see other senior centers in uh, Southern California perhaps also uh, receive accreditation as well, um, but it does entail a lot of different um, components. So our Senior Enrichment Center, we offer over 100 classes and activities a week. Uh, We have a fitness center. Uh, We have a lot of different social services available um, on site at any time. We do tax assistance. We have mental health counselors there weekly. We also have a a vibrant uh, food distribution program in partnership with the LA Regional Food Bank, where we are redistributing about 10,000 pounds of food a month. It's increased recently uh, due to the COVID-19 crisis. Of course, we're now distributing about 10,000 pounds a week, uh, but in general, during our normal operations, um, that's typically uh, what we do um, for our food distribution services. Uh, We also have a congregate uh, dining site at our Senior Enrichment Center and several uh, social services programs. We have uh, social workers and case managers available Um, For anybody who may need additional housing assistance, assistance with um, applying for CalFresh and other benefits enrollment, we have attorneys that come, podiatrists, um, what else, Medicare specialists, Medi-Cal specialists, you name it, we have it. We even got a travel department if seniors want to book trips to the local casino or book trips to a local museum or even go out of town, Um, we, we have that available as well. Now housed at our senior enrichment center is also our case management program. Uh, we have a robust home-based case management program, um, providing in-home support for older adults that live in the San Fernando Valley as well as Santa Clarita and Antelope Valley. Um, now the, these programs are intended for um, homebound, isolated seniors that are not able to get out and come to our Senior Enrichment Center, so we provide them with services, and the goal of that program is to keep them in the home, preventing hospitalization, preventing long-term placement um, for as long as possible, as long as it's safe to do so. So some of the services we provide, um, that is at no cost, by the way, uh, for our, our seniors enrolled in case management can include anywhere from home delivered meals, emergency alert response buttons, Lighthouse cleaning, personal care services, grocery shopping assistance, telephone monitoring calls, transportation, and of course, um, they get that uh, case manager that's checking in on them that creates a, a care plan and is able to kind of follow through with whatever their needs might be.
0: Yeah, I remember you saying a few minutes ago, Jenna, that you guys pretty much offer anything to seniors, <laughs> and it is, it is true. I remember having a tour uh, with you and my colleague, April. Um, and man, there's just so much that you guys do there. So the big question: this could be for either Ava or Jenna. How is all of this paid for?
1: So that's always the ongoing uh, dilemma. And of course, a great deal of this falls to our fundraising uh, and development efforts. Um, we have about an eight million dollar budget, and about eighty one, eighty two. Sense of every dollar really goes to our programs. So we run a relatively lean type of a program in terms of staffing uh, versus the number of programs that we actually provide. Um, for example, um, one of the programs that um, I did not speak to was the uh, GAP program, which is called the Grandparents as Parents program. Which we assumed about two years ago in 2018. It happened in existing program that had some challenges. So because it also focused on intergenerational services and concepts, we thought it made perfect sense and we were able to merge it into our efforts. Now we have a number of services that we provide, including a full-time court navigator that is housed at Edelman's uh, Children's or Family Court uh, that is totally paid for out of one generation's development efforts. So gap programs, for example, have absolutely no funding stream attached to it whatsoever. So that is purely a part of our mission. Some of our other programs, for example the meal uh, programs, we do have contracts with the city of LA and most recently some smaller contracts with the county of Los Angeles. We're also having to be very entrepreneurial in many of our other activities. We are fortunate that our facility here, particularly at the JOY campus, allows us to leverage some of the space um, to create revenue-generating programs. Our childcare program certainly is a revenue-generating program that will provide income up to a limited amount, of course for example, to subsidize our adult daycare program. So adult daycare is not a Medicare benefit. It is a medi benefit. It is a VA benefit, uh, and it is private pay. Uh, but all those payment streams together do not cover the daily costs uh, of this particular program. So we are very entrepreneurial in how we have to raise our dollars to pay for the myriad of social services that we actually provide. Uh, And I know Jenna can speak to some of the activities at the Senior Center that help sustain that program. Um, and uh, she has been very good at uh, bringing together these resources that in the past just had never existed, and uh, really responsible for making this center uh, such a productive and great resource for the community.
2: Yeah, so um, what what Ava was was mentioning for the Senior Enrichment Center, you know, I talk about this hub and an ability to provide all these great wonderful resources for our older adults, I, you know, I have to give credit, and I I always do, for our uh, community partners that allow their staff and uh, their support team to come to our senior enrichment center to offer these services at no no charge. So we have our community partners can include uh, hospitals, different health plans, uh, different and insurance group, Medicare insurance groups, uh, physicians. Um, attorneys uh, that want to give back and give their time um, to provide, uh, you know, information and support for these seniors. Um, You know, we also, at our Senior Enrichment Center, um, we apply for a lot of grants and a lot of our services are grant-funded, as well as different, depending on the program, we have uh, different federal grants and then different contracts with the the City of Los Angeles Department of Aging and the County of Los Angeles um, Workforce Development, Aging and Community Services for the um, case management, nutrition, transportation and other services.
0: There is just so much that you guys do and obviously that requires quite a bit of funding uh, and funding sources. So speaking of funding and uh, financials, uh, we are recording in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, maybe briefly, um, this is open to either one of you, can you maybe share some of the challenges, but also maybe some of the good that's come from this?
1: Certainly, um, I'll start a little bit with that. Um,
2: it, it has
1: uh, you know, turned the world upside down, certainly for uh, many nonprofit organizations like ours, when all of our programs uh, have come to a complete halt with the exception of the fact that we still have a small number of children in our childcare program uh, to provide uh, childcare for those families who are in essential services in the community. Um, But all the other programs that have been bringing ancillary revenues as well as contractual revenues have really uh, been impacted um, because they're just not in existence or very much Uh, in reduced uh, sort of uh, provision. So it's been a challenge, um, and I don't think that challenge is going to go away for the next many months as uh, organizations like ours and businesses across uh, the state and elsewhere are going to have to ramp up. The ramp up will not be suddenly, it will be slower, with uh, decreasing revenues and new strategies. There'll be a new kind of a normal that we'll have to embrace new training opportunities for staff. We'll be looking at new uh, contagion training, for example, as well as many new supplies that we will have to integrate into providing our services. So we've been very fortunate to have had some um, emergency funding from great organizations like SCAN and GOGIN and Stempra and, uh, and a few others um, that are certainly have been very helpful to get us through some of these very, very difficult uh, weeks.
2: Yeah. Um, and then just to kind of add a little bit to that, uh, I know you asked just maybe share some good stories, uh, maybe not so good stories, but you know, um, in, in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, we, we were, um, essentially inundated with calls from seniors and families of who have older adults, parents, grandparents in need of food and grocery shopping assistance. Um, you know, fortunately, because this is something we were already doing on a smaller level, uh, we were able to strategize quickly and scale these services out to meet the needs of our older adults um, in the community. So prior to COVID 19, we were offering a monthly food bank uh, once a month, they'd come and get um, free groceries. Well, we were able to um, ramp that up in partnership with LA Regional Food Bank to offer a weekly drive-through food bank um, every Tuesday at 11 o'clock at our Senior Enrichment Center. We had our um, our, our food our drive-through food bank um, yesterday, and we had over 350 cars vehicles that drove through and received free groceries. So it's great to hear that we're able to meet the need and offer this free service on a weekly basis prior to it being just monthly. Um, you know, also with the nutrition program, we have a lot of vulnerable older adults who are afraid to go to the market and um, don't have access to a meal. So we've been able to um, essentially double, sometimes triple in certain programs, our nutrition services. We're now offering um, over 500 meals um, daily to these uh, older adults, and we're shopping, I'd say on average right now, between 30 and 40 um, trips to the market um, per day um, with our shoppers. So it's been uh, great that we've been able to take our existing programs and scale them out to meet the need even though it's just temporary, but you know, it's definitely something we're going to have to look at in the future of um, what the new normal is going to be and how we can um, continue these programs and services um, to meet the need of this changing uh, environment and this changing population. And Gavin, if I could add to that, um,
1: one of the other uh, foundations that has been very helpful Uh, as we are uh, going to be trying to deliver services, if you will, either through telehealth or other virtual or Zoom services to our clientele. Uh, The Eisner Foundation has been very helpful. As you know, they have embraced intergenerational concepts and programming for a long time. So uh, through some of these uh, new resources that we are now able to um, provide and ramp up to, thanks to their assistance. Um, We are, our nurses, for example, are going to be able to provide more telehealth to our adult daycare population, and also to continue some virtual engagement um, between our seniors and children in childcare. So we're very thankful to be able to continue those very important uh, engagements, because many of these adults may be socially isolated uh, even if they are with a caregiver Um, and we do want to continue to address this important development um, by providing some ongoing programming that connects them to the programs and the services that they had been so used to receiving on a daily basis.
0: Thank you both. Uh, A wealth of information. Um, So as we wrap up the show today, how can people get involved, whether it's volunteering um, or other ways of supporting, like financially supporting OneGen?
2: Okay. Well, there are lots of different ways uh, to support um, One Generation, both financially and um, on a voluntary basis. Uh, we have a huge um, volunteer pool and on in, in interest of people who would like to volunteer. It's actually very easy. Uh, you would just email volunteer at OneGeneration.org and uh, let us know that you're interested and someone will get back to you with different opportunities that we may have at that time. Um, We also have um, various ways that you can uh, donate. Um, The the primary way with that being online on our website if you go to uh, OneGeneration.org there is a donate now button. I believe it's in bright red. It's hard to miss. You know, also uh, reaching out to us, calling us, we have a main line that we give out to everybody, 818-705-2345. And, you know, you can be directed to someone in our uh, fund development programming to receive donations. Um, Does anyone want to add anything? And as far as
1: referring um, individuals that um, may be in need of services, um, they can reach out to uh, Jenna's team or to my to my phone number directly. They're both on the website. Uh, we receive referrals from senior housing uh, entities, from hard housing entities, entities from uh, even um, individuals that are sharing a home that are not getting services or hadn't been getting services, but now they're socially isolated and are in need. So if you know anyone, um, we are taking phone calls all throughout the day and are trying to provide as many meals or as many products as we can um, within the the, uh, availability of our volunteers and staff, of course. Um, But we are fortunate in that we get so many products and um, food products donated throughout the week. Um, that we have ample opportunity to share those with uh, with individuals in need.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much, Ava. So, folks, this wraps up today's episode of Pop Health Podcast. If folks want to learn more about OneGen online, uh, either one of you, can you share what that website is, please?
2: Our website is uh, onegeneration.org.
0: Very good. Again, that's OneGeneration.org. Jenna Haas, the Director of Strategic Initiatives and Community-Based Services, as well as Ava Goetz, the President and CEO of One Generation, have been our guests this afternoon. Folks, if you've liked today's episode and want to learn more about PopElf podcast, you can check out more episodes on Potpill'spodcast.com. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher as well. Thanks, everybody. Take care.